Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. You honor us by finding us and listening in. We pray this sermon stirs up your love for Jesus and grows you in your faith. But before we begin, we ask that you not let this podcast, or any podcast for that matter, replace the local church in your life. You need to be a member of a local congregation and under the shepherding of that flock's pastor. So please become part of a local church if you aren't currently. If you'd like more information about our church, please go to www.mountzionchula.org. Enjoy our podcast. Todd gave me ten dollars to make this short and sweet. That's all it's worth. We're in, uh, if you will, turn your Bibles to Second Thessalonians, chapter two. We go tie in what the scripture we read earlier a little bit. Microphone on. Thank you. <coughs> 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now this, let me ask you a question to start with. We, most of us hardly ever do interviews. But have you ever been misquoted or said something and somebody took the wrong way or switched it all around or did something with it other than what you had intended? Have you ever had somebody do that to you? Well, here in chapter 2, Paul is correcting that idea. Somebody has come into the church of Thessalonia and started teaching a a series of messages or teachings that are incorrect. And he's contributing that to what Paul said or what Paul wrote or whatever the case may be. In other words, he's saying, this is what Paul said, this is what Paul said for us to do, so forth and so on. Well, Paul comes, he writes this letter, this is part of it, and the assumption of the church at Thessalonica is that they are in the tribulation period. Now, we who uh, are familiar with the Bible to a certain extent. Know the tribulation period is the time of the Antichrist. It's basically the seven years before the second coming of Jesus Christ. So this church at Thessalonica thinks they're in the tribulation period. And you say, well, why would they think that? Well, one of the reasons they think that is because they are such heavily persecuted by the Jewish people and by the other people against this small church, this new church. It's a new church. It's it's not a large church. It's very immature. They really don't have a lot going for them. They just get, basically, you say, get started. But So they're confused, and they're uh, following whatever they think is right, and somebody has come in and told them that we're in the tribulation period. Well, 
Folks, do y'all think we're in the tribulation period? Some of the problems we got going on seem like we're in a tribulation period. Everything seems to be turning against God. Everything seems to be different from what we have all basically known or understood to be the truth of the Word of God. So this lesson also applies to us just as well. So we're going to talk about how Paul is going to correct this mistake. Now, he doesn't come out, and anywhere that I know of, any scholar knows of who this is is doing this. But it's somebody in the church, and they are teaching or preaching or telling the people we're in the tribulation period. Well, Paul comes to correct this. So he starts in verse 1, and he comes at the people not in a harsh or a angry or anything aspect. He comes at them as a gentle, loving person, a brethren, a brother, someone who would we would go up to and they would help us to correct our mistakes or uh, some, some would call them a mentor or whatever the case may be. He says, now we beseech you, brethren. So he's coming at them in a, in a gentle way. He's saying, listen, I understand you're having some problems. You've got this belief. Somebody's told you this. But let me help you to get straight in the correct word of God here. And he says, let me beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Denying what has been taught previously. He's got a different aspect that he wants to talk about. He wants to show them that the tribulation period, they're not in the tribulation period. He'll give several reasons why they're not in the tribulation period. First is, Christ hasn't come. Now, what that relates to is what we previously read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, what is called the rapture. Paul's telling the church at Thessalonica, he says, listen, the rapture hasn't come. The Lord Jesus Christ hasn't come and taken the church out of the way and the Holy Spirit as well. We're still here. The church is still here. The Holy Spirit's still here. So that hasn't happened. So that's got to happen before the tribulation period starts. And he further enforces that, and how do we know this? And he says, and by our gathering together unto him. So we're referring back to 1 Thessalonians 4, the rapture. In other words, Jesus Christ hasn't come. He hasn't descended in a shout, the trumpet. He hasn't remained in the clouds because what we read was that those who have uh, fallen asleep will rise first and meet him in the clouds, and we who are alive will come later, just then, after the others. So if you're in the grave, you get to go first. Still alive, you just had to take a second. But that's all right. We're all going to be together. We're all going to be with the Lord. But notice what this refers to. It refers to the fact that Jesus is not going to ascend to heaven, I mean to earth, but he's going to be in the clouds. So this is not the second coming. 
where Jesus ascends to the earth. This is the rapture where the church is taken out and the Holy Spirit is taken out. Then he goes on, he says, verse 2, that ye may not be soon shaken in mind or be troubled. Assuring these people, listen, you don't need to be afraid, you don't need to be doubt, you don't need to be scared, you don't need to be troubled by all this, thinking, well, what do we call modern day thought? I got left behind. I'm here and the church is gone and I'm still here. Why am I still here? Well, that's what he's referring to. Don't be worried the fact that you've missed out on it because it hasn't happened. It's not taken place yet. And that's what he's saying. Don't be shaken. Don't be troubled. Then he goes on and he says, Neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us. In other words, somebody is teaching these folks, saying, This is what the spirit of Paul says. This is what we need to do. Or, this is Paul's word. Or, this is a letter that Paul wrote. So none of these three aspects... Paul's denying every one of them. In other words, that's basically all the way you could communicate, couldn't you? Letter, verbal, somebody interpret basically what you they think you mean. Well, that's how we get misinterpreted, don't we? People think what they think that we are saying. None of this is the way that Paul says has come about, not from me as the day of the Christ is at hand. In other words, I hadn't told you because none of this has occurred. Christ hasn't come. The church hasn't left. The Holy Spirit hasn't left. We're still here, so the tribulation period is not occurring. The interesting aspect here is that person who is teaching this false stuff has even contributed to the fact that, I hope you know, the tribulation period is seven years long. There's a three-and-a-half-year period where everything's fairly well. The Antichrist is in charge and everything. But the last three-and-a-half years is what they call the Great Tribulation, where God's wrath and everything falls upon the earth. So the person teaching this false aspect, not only has he said it's the Tribulation period, but he said it's the Great Tribulation period. So if these people were facing a lot of persecution, a lot of problems, they were really suffering because of their belief in Jesus Christ and the gospel. But Paul's encouraging them and said, hey, it's not happened yet. You haven't been left behind. You still have not received what is coming. You will. And then he goes to verse 3. He says, let no man deceive you by any means. Folks, that's a great statement for us today don't be deceived by what you hear what you see what goes on what somebody's told you don't be fooled into thinking well that's right that's come from this and that and I believe them and don't 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 run everything that you know hear see through the Bible. Got a lot of modern stuff. It's not in the Bible. If you are led 
differently than what the Bible leads us to do, you are to personally neglect that. Pay no attention to it. Don't be led astray. Don't be led down a path. There's a lot of things going on in this world that people are messing with other people, uh, all kind of stuff. Then he says, for that day shall not come. We're telling them, hey, it hadn't come yet, and I'm going to give you some reasons. First one there is, except there come a falling away first. Now, we all know that it seems like the American church is falling away. People are not coming to church. They're not interested in church. They're not concerned with uh, Christ or anything like that. They're just low attendance. And everybody is not really concerned with the importance of being and in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, what Paul is saying here is there's going to be a falling away, okay? So it seems like that's happening in the United States. But let me encourage you. What happens in the United States is not the rest of the world. There's a lot of salvation going on in other parts of the world. When Paul says a falling away first, he's talking about all over the world. All nations falling away in their religious beliefs and religious activities and so forth. So it's not just the United States. Sometimes we think, hey, we're in the United States and if it's happening here, it's happening everywhere. No, it's not. There's a lot going on in South America and uh, Africa and India and China where people are coming to Christ and believing and having faith in Christ. There's a lot going on. They're not falling away. Being in the United States, the problem with us, and you pardon me if I voice my opinion, is the fact that we're not facing persecution. If we started to have some persecution on the people that come to church, there would be some more attendance. Because where? Just take 9-11. What happened two days or three days after 9-11? Churches were full. That's all right. That's what God intended. That's what God's going to happen. It's not us. It's what God wants, God desires. So that's, that's the way it is. So the first thing that Paul mentions is falling away. And the second thing is that the man of perdition, the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Okay, so... What does he mean by that? He means the fact that the church is still here, the rapture hadn't occurred, the Holy Spirit's still here. Now he's fit to go and he's fit to express in verse 4 that there's something blocking the coming of the Antichrist, God's Spirit and the church. We're blocking that. We're blocking that. So if the falling away hasn't occurred, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition hasn't occurred. In other words, we don't know who the Antichrist. You know, we're still 
not in the tribulation period. And that's what he's telling these folks. He's telling us as well. You wonder, when is it going to happen? Well, the next prophecy, they say, to, to be fulfilled is the rapture of the church. Next big aspect of God is going to be that we are going to be gone. And the Holy Spirit's going to be gone. Now, if that happens, there will be a lot of things going on. We think we live in a lawless world. We think we live in a place where crime is going on rampant and so forth and so on. And we've got some places that are pretty, pretty bad. But it isn't anywhere close to what it's going to be. Church leaves, when you have your influence leaves this world and the Holy Spirit leaves, it's really going to get bad in a hurry. So we don't know when that's going to occur. So your next question may be, who is the son of perdition? Okay. Daniel talks about it. If you want to, turn to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Glad to read it to you. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation of the cease for the overspreading of abominations shall he make. What Daniel prophesied way back in the book of Daniel is the Antichrist coming. Now, who is this son of perdition? Well, Daniel says that this Antichrist is going to be a prominent figure in the world in the coming time, and because of his prominence and power and importance, he's going to make a treaty with Israel. Going to be for one week. Well, the Bible interprets one week is seven years. So, this covenant, this uh, treaty with Israel and the Antichrist is supposed to last seven years. But the first three and a half, it works pretty good. Last three and a half, as we call the Great Tribulation, things change. And this man of perdition goes and makes himself worshipped and proclaims himself God. Now there's one thing Paul doesn't mention here that I want to mention to you. You may already realize is the fact that nowhere has Paul said anything about a temple being built in Israel. There has to be a temple built coming period somewhere probably within the tri tribulation. I personally think myself that when this Antichrist, this man of perdition, signs his treaty with Israel, they're going to have permission to build this temple. And what's going to happen is they're going to build a temple and then at the end of the three and a half years, he's going to come in there to that temple and notice what Daniel says, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation of, to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make. What he's going to do is come into that temple 
where Israel has been worshiping, and he's going to stop all that. And he's going to take a seat, and he's going to say, you go worship me because I'm God. That's what Daniel is prophesizing, and that's what Paul is talking about here. That hasn't happened. You see what he's telling the people of Thessalonica? There hadn't been a falling away, and the son of perdition has not shown himself and put himself to be God. So that helps to encourage us to know that the tribulation period hasn't started for these people, and for us we know as well. It also talks about this in Matthew 24, 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of the desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, then he adds, Whoso readeth, let him understand. And of course what he's doing, Matthew's doing, is he's going back and he's quoting Daniel, and he's saying when the abomination of the desolation, which is the son of perdition, goes in there and sits in the holy space, holy place, the temple, and makes himself God, then that's going to be the start of the bad problem. So Paul doesn't mention the building of the temple because he really doesn't understand that that's what's going to take place. But it's not that important because he's, the two points he's listing are all the, what the people of Thessalonica need. Now in verse 5, Paul goes on and he makes a slight reprimand, so to speak. Makes a mild reprimand. What he says is, remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? So he's going back and he's referring to the time he was with the church. He told them these things. He told them, you know, all about what's coming and all about what's going to happen and, and all that aspect. And he's, he's come back here and he said, don't you all remember those things I told you? It wasn't a harsh reprimand or a harsh comeback, but it, it was just, don't you all remember? Don't you all pay attention, so to speak? And what we know from this is because he uses first person, I. I was, was yet with you. I told you. I don't remember this stuff. Have you already forgotten what I said before? But then he goes to verse 6, And now you know what holdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Okay, so this is what we talked about previously. The church is not left. The rapture has not occurred. The Holy Spirit is not left. It's the Holy Spirit's holding back all this. And what Paul's saying in verse 6 is it's not going to happen until the right time. God's will is going to be done. It's going to be done at the right time. God's time. It means that the Holy Spirit is holding back all that evil that's piling up waiting to just come out. Of course, the church is helping be a horrible time, folks, when the church is gone and when the Holy Spirit is gone. Girl, we, will, we won't want to be. Angels will go, 
Things are bad today, as we say, but they ain't going to be as bad as what they are when that time comes. Verse 7, For the mystery of iniquity doeth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Holy Spirit is just a reiterance of basically verse 6. Holy Spirit is holding back the full force of evil. Only when the Holy Spirit leaves will that evil be released. Praise God that the church, we will be gone. In verse 8, And then shall the, that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Paul is reiterating that tribulation period hasn't come because the wicked one is not revealed. He hasn't appeared on the scene, as we would say. And now Paul's telling us in verse 8 how the tribulation period is going to end. He describes it to the people of Thessalonica. What he describes is the second coming. Christ is going to come. Christ is going to appear. And when he appears, he's going to be bringing us with him. But we're not going to have to do anything. I always like to make a joke. It says they'll come and we'll be riding white horses. That means sometime in the future, we go all, if we don't know how to ride, we all go have to learn how to ride. Riding with the Lord. But we ain't got to fight. All we got to do is be there. Who's going to fight? Paul says, Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth shall and shall restore with the brightness of his coming. Revelation chapter 19, verse 15. This describes Jesus. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he shall smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he shall tread the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of the Almighty God. Paul was reminding the people at Thessalonica, hey, when the Lord comes, the tribulation period is going to be over with, but it hadn't started yet, but it's going to be over with. Be encouraged, be forewarned that when it comes, Christ is going to take care of it. Out of his mouth, all he has to do is speak the word. We go back to Genesis. What happened to the creation? The word was spoken. God ain't never had to work other than speak. All he has to do. All he has to do. Then in verse 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. So the Antichrist is going to come in his tribulation period. He's going to be seen, the man of perdition. He's going to be recognized for what he is, but he's going to be doing signs, wonders, and miracles. Now, his miracles are not going to be the miracles of God. His signs are not going to be the signs of God. And his wonders are nowhere close to what God is. Copycat. 
God work? He says, I'm going to copy that. Know that the statue will be built. People are going to have to worship that statue. That statue is going to talk. That ain't no big deal. They got micro organ, uh, micro computer stuff that can make anything do anything. They could build that today and it'd talk. Nothing big. But maybe back in th this time comes, it's even more easier. Who knows? But it's just a false aspect. Don't be deceived. Going back to verse 3. That ye not, let's see, verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. My closing word to you. Don't be deceived. Thinking this or that, if you hadn't run it by God, God's word. Not in God's word. Pray, seek the Holy Spirit, and they will, they will tell you, hey, they probably got a place in here where, you know, we may not know exactly where at. Stand firm in Christ. Stand firm to the fact that Christ is in charge. Christ is the one who upholds us, walks with us each and every day, stands with us. He's our Lord, he's our Savior. He's worthy of everything we can do for him, for his glory and honor. Firm in that. case when God's word has gone out it's always good to have an invitation in case somebody has listened to God's word and God's word is urging them to do something but as we bow our heads and have a moment of silence let that come Holy Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that we can read your word. Holy Spirit who interprets it for us, who lets us know what it means, tells us what it means, act upon it or to hold it within our hearts that need it when the case times, and not be fooled, not be deceived by what we hear and read. Let us be strong in the Lord. Give us faith. Give us strength to stand firm for the Lord. Stand up. Stand up for God. Stand up amongst this world, even though we be ridiculed and talked about and whatever else the case may be. We don't care, Lord. We know who you are and what you've done and what you're going to do. We know you're the upholder of this world. We know you. No matter what they say or think or act upon, no not. Use us, Lord, that we may share the fact that they are they don't know you. They don't know how important it is to you. Lead us, guide us, direct us. May we say a word, the way we act, the way we react, whatever the case may be, that we may lead others to you importance of the decision of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Thank you. We love you. And as we go through this coming week, be with us each step of the way. Heal the sick. 
Not for the ones who lost their children. Say a prayer for Adrian. Adrian. Glory and for your honor. This in Jesus Christ's holy name.